Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! I find that I kind of have a decision paralysis when it comes to audiobooks that I don't have when it comes to paper books because it feels like more of an investment to me. Mm-hmm. It takes longer to listen to a book than it does to read it, and the narrator can really make or break it. And so I really have been enjoying listening to audiobooks more recently, but I'm not listening to as many as I want to because I don't know what to listen to next. My request for you is help being my audiobook guru. Hey everyone, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 54. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Today's guest came to me with a special request, and one that's a little more challenging for me than usual. Melody wants to find books she'll love that she feels are completely perfect for her. But on top of that, she wants them to be great audiobooks. And she doesn't mean great books that are available on audio. She means books where the narrator makes the experience, elevating it to something completely different than enjoying the words on the page. I love a good audiobook myself, so I was up for the challenge. Let's get to it. Melody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I'm delighted to be on. Well, you really sold me on your pitch for what you wanted to talk about today. But first, uh, I'd love to hear a little history about yourself and your reading life. Sure. Well, I'm an English lit teacher from rural Montana. I'm actually taking a break from teaching right now because I'm in the raising young children years. I have a 15-month-old daughter named Lucy and a son due in February. Mm-hmm. So um, taking a break from teaching, but English has literature has been part of my life, my whole life. I've loved to read since the moment I learned how when I was four. Melody, what kind of literature classes do you teach? Well, I teach a variety of classes. I have an intro to lit class that's for junior high that, you know, focuses on a lot of fun young adult lit or Newbery winners. And then I have a British lit class that focuses on the Victorian period, an American lit survey. I teach a Jane Austen elective and a C.S. Lewis elective. That sounds dreamy. It's really fun. But you're a teacher, so books are your job. Does that ever create complications for your reading life? Do you still love it all the time or sometimes (laughs) does it feel like a slog? It does sometimes feel like a slog. And I found that especially just in the last couple of years because it's been a while since I've had time to design a new class. 
And so I'm teaching the same things over and over every year. And I feel like a lot of my reading time is just devoted on reviewing and prepping the same things. And so I was really starting to get stale. And now that I'm kind of taking a break, I'm really excited to kind of revitalize my own reading life and get my passion back. I think that makes me a better teacher. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't want to sit in an English class or have my kids sit in an English class with a teacher who wasn't enjoying it, with a teacher who thought reading was a chore. Right. How does reading fit into your personal life now that you're not needing to prep a new course or anything like that? Do you have time to do personal reading? I do. Yeah. And I have a lot more freedom to be picking new things. Uh, I've, I used to be a huge rereader. Like I used to have to force myself to, I had to read a new book for every two books I reread mm-hmm. and then just rereading for teaching has made me not want to reread anymore. I want new <laughs> stuff. I want fresh stuff. So, uh, and now I've, I really do have that opportunity and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. So Melody, when you got in touch with me and that was through the submission form at what should I read next podcast.com slash guest, which unfortunately we can only take a small percentage of people to have on the show because this is not a three times a day show, but I wish we could talk to everyone. But Melody, I loved your specific request. You talked about how a certain medium had really helped you connect with books again and I'll let you take it away. All right. Well, what I was really, what I'm really looking for is recommendations for what I should listen to next, because I've always loved hearing the written word read aloud. And that's been a huge part of my reading life throughout my life. And just more recently, I've been doing that through audiobooks. And I find that I kind of have a decision paralysis when it comes to audiobooks that I don't have when it comes to paper books because it feels like more of investment to me. Mm-hmm. It takes longer to listen to a book than it does to read it. And the narrator can really make or break it. And so I really have been enjoying listening to audiobooks more recently, but I'm not listening to as many as I want to because I don't know what to listen to next. My request for you is help being my audiobook guru? Well, this is a really common question because I totally get what you're saying. You can't browse an audiobook in the same way you can browse a regular book. And I'm very reluctant to abandon audiobooks because I do feel like I have like more of a financial investment more than anything. But I just feel like choosing a good audiobook adds another layer of complication. Like not only do you have to find a good book, but you have to find a good book performed well. And that's not so easy to do. Okay, but you've had some successes. How have you found the audiobooks you love so far? From browsing Audible for titles that were already on my to be read list and and then listening to the snippets and kind of, you know, it always still feels like a little bit of a gamble because yeah, you yeah, only yeah. get a four or five minute snippet. But I'm just choosing from my TBR list based on the snippet. But I really find myself wanting to talk to somebody who's like actually listened to the whole book read by that narrator and, and tell me if it's really worth it. On the whole, have the reviews steered you in the right direction? I would say I've been doing pretty well. I think that most of the the books I've listened to in the last couple of years have been really enjoyable. And a few of them really stand apart as I think I enjoyed this more than if I had you know read it on paper, which is the kind of experience I'm really looking for, which is maybe not fair, because that's, you know, something really transcendent when you're looking for something that's better than just reading it yourself. Because I mean, there are many reasons to listen to it, an audiobook, like you can listen while you run or you drive or you wash dishes or whatever. But a really, it shouldn't feel like a second choice. 
A great narrator brings something that words on a page do not. Exactly. Okay. And, and that's, that's the kind for. of, ex- yeah, that's the kind of experience I'm looking for. That's the kind of experience I love when I'm listening to an audiobook. <laughs> where See, I think in my head, it wouldn't have been this amazing. <laughs> yeah. This is your thing and you have me all fired up about it. Oh, great. Okay. I'm so glad about what comes next. You know how this works. You tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately. And I'm dying to hear all of it now after that introduction. So tell me your books. We'll talk about what you should read next. Let's start with your favorites. Okay. Well, the first on my favorites list is the, it's actually two books, but one story. So hopefully I'm not cheating, but it's Winds of War and War and Remembrance by Herman Woke and read by Kevin Pariseau. And this should show you that I'm not afraid of something long because the two together is 102 hours of listening time total. So holy goodness. And I did not speed it up. I listened to it on regular speed. So yeah, I'm not afraid of the commitment, but I do have to say I chose this because this was actually a reread. I had list, I had read these books before um, in hardback form. And so I knew that I loved them. And when I chose to list, start listening to it, I fully expected that I was going to switch back to the hard book at some, hardback at some point. I thought, I just have a lot of listening time right now, so I want to reread these books. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen now, but as soon as I get time, I'm switching back to the, to the paper copy. That's what I fully expected to do. And then I started listening to it. And at first, the narrator didn't strike me as anything special. Like if you go listen to the snippet on, on Audible, it starts out in kind of like a business-like scene and he just sounds kind of business-like. But when you keep listening for hours, hour after hour, I just suddenly realized I was listening to something extraordinary because he has 102 hours to maintain distinct, consistent characters, and he does it so well. They are perfectly distinct. They, they, there's great accents, but they're not over the top. They never feel like he's trying too hard or they're forced. Um, there's even some scenes later in the book where you're in this this Jewish ghetto, and he starts singing in Yiddish, and it's just, oh my gosh, it just chills down your spine. It is so amazing. So. I never went back to to reading it. I listened to both books all the way through, and I just was amazed at the end. I I came to the end, and I thought, this man is the best audiobook narrator I've ever read, or listened to, I should say. And I didn't think that at the beginning. Like, I just thought he was kind of standard. But when you, over the long haul, you just start to realize how excellent he is. And Okay, so you've sold me on the narration. But tell me about the book. I'm not overly familiar. I mean... I think my mom loves The Winds of War, but I'm not really familiar with the story. Can you tell us a little bit? Absolutely. So it's the two books together cover all of World War II. Uh, It starts, Winds of War starts in 1939 and goes to Pearl Harbor, the attack on Pearl Harbor, Mm -hmm. and then through the end of the war in the second book. And it's told through the eyes of one family, the Henry family. And you kind of catch a glimpse of almost every major event of the war through the eyes of this family, which kind of requires a little suspension of disbelief. Like is some member of this family at every single event. But, you know, one friend of mine said it's a glad suspension because Mm -hmm. woke repays the trust so well. So this is, I would say some of the greatest historical fiction I've ever read. He is so meticulous in his historical research, but it never gets tedious. It never sounds like a history textbook. 
it never sounds like the author saying, oh, look how much I know, yeah. which sometimes yeah. I run into. If the characters are real. They're in this pressure cooker of war. They're not always likable. They're not always making good decisions, but I think they're totally believable in why they're making those decisions. Mm-hmm. And it just makes the history come so alive. That sounds really interesting. I am also dying to know what you were doing during these 102 hours. How, how do you spend your, I mean, were you kicked back in an easy chair with your eyes closed or were you <laughs> running laps or what? I was doing all the things you listed before. I was driving. I was doing dishes. I probably wasn't running because I'm not really a runner, <laughs> but uh, I also like to knit. And so I am I know I listened to some of it while working on a knitting project. Uh, so yeah, listening to it while I'm doing other things, but it came to the point where it captured me so much that it's the same, the kind of thing that I would go to bed at night and, uh-huh. and listen to it uh-huh. in bed too. So, which doesn't usually happen. I usually only use audiobooks when I'm multitasking, but I think for this one, some of it, I did just sit, you know, at night and, and listen to before I went to sleep. Although there's certain parts of the book that you don't want to listen to right before you go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and not just because you'll do the one more chapter, one more chapter thing. No, just because it's a book like, about war. Yeah. Yeah. And the Holocaust is just super disturbing. Yeah. You know, I've known about these books for a long time. If it's not clear, I have not read these myself because I never really feel in the mood to read giant two doorstop novels. Right. It's not that I don't feel in the mood, but I could read like 20 books in the time it would take to get through those. But that is a really compelling description. Okay. What's book two? Okay. Book two is a total change of pace. Something a lot more recent. Uh, the Martian by Andy Weir read by R.C. Bray, and I'm sure, you know, most of the listeners are familiar with the setup of this one because it's just come out in a movie and everything, but the the astronaut who's presumed dead is accidentally left on Mars by his team uh, six days into the mission, and he's got to use his science and his wits to survive, and this one was one of those reading experiences, listening experiences that just happened at the perfect time. I chose it because I was going on a road trip with my family and I thought this would be something my husband and I would like to listen to together. Uh-huh. And so we we were listening to it and we were on our way to Death Valley in California. This was last February. And we are like coming near the end of the book and Mark Watney is driving his Mars rover down into this crater on Mars at the exact time that we are driving down the mountain into this desert valley. And it was, it was just one of those cool things that you could never predict or, or repeat. That is very cool. We're looking out the windows going, this looks exactly like what is being described in the book. So that was really fun. But I, I'm a lit, lit person, but I do like science. I've, I'm fascinated by how the world works. But I think that this book would have been tedious for me reading on paper. I think I would have gotten bogged down in all the technical stuff because it really does. It's really quite nerdy. (laughs) But the narration, he was just so likable and so human and so funny that I think it really brought it to life. And I enjoyed it more than if I had picked it up in hard copy. I read this in hardcover, but I have listened to, I think I've clocked a couple hours of the narration. It's a, it's interesting. Like a narrator has to have a wide set of skills because this is a totally different narration from like Herman Woke. Like that's just not right. the same kind of, so the Martian, you have a very flat male 
dry wit American accent. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so perfect for the story. Yes. I can see that making, um, a lot of times I get the question, like, what should couples listen to together in the car? The Martian seems likely to mm-hmm. fit the category for a lot of people. I think A lot so. of couples could happily listen to that together. Okay, what's book three? Okay, book three is a nonfiction. It's called The Professor and the Madman. Okay. It's by Simon Winchester. Funny thing. This is the first audiobook my husband and I ever listened to together. Oh, really? Yeah, when we were, I think we just bought our first house and we were painting together and you can only talk so much before your voice uh-huh. starts to go a little raspy from the fumes and the talking and we needed a change and this they happened to have this in the library it looked interesting and yeah was it ever tell us everything all right so it's read read by the author and it is about the creation of the oxford english dictionary so if the last book was super science nerd this is super english nerd <laughs> <laughs> and uh It is a fascinating story. I mean, I didn't really, I love words. I didn't really realize that lexicography was so interesting, but he really brings it alive and just does this fascinating job of talking even about the history of dictionaries and asking you to imagine a time when there was not even the concept of like looking something up. Shakespeare could never look something up in an encyclopedia or a dictionary because that whole class of reference material didn't exist, which just, it kind of blows my mind. But this, the kind of story that's woven through is about one of the volunteers that worked on the OED because they used like this army of volunteer readers who would read books and find the quotes that would illustrate the definitions. And one of the most prolific and helpful volunteers turned out to be this American army officer who was actually an inmate of a lunatic asylum. He was a murderer and crazy, (laughs) insane. And he was one of the best volunteers on the, on the OED. So I think I loved it because it just had this stranger than fiction kind of reality to it. And the author has a great British accent, so he was really fun. <laughs> that always really adds to my enjoyment of the story. And there was another audiobook perk at the end. I'm looking at my phone screen, and I see all this time left, but he's reading like the acknowledgments. I'm thinking, can the acknowledgments really go on for 25 minutes left of this book? But there's an interview at the end of the audiobook between the author and the current editor of the Oxford English Dictionary. Oh, which interesting. I thought really interesting and I was glad that I stayed with it through the like bibliography yeah. <laughs> to get to that interview. Okay, so if you're listening and you think a book about a dictionary, really? Two things you need to know aside from it's so good. And I found that this is also a general crowd pleaser. If you're the kind of nerdy sort and I say that totally in a good way, if this is at all starting to like ring your bell, stay with us because it's really, it's really good. When I've recommended this to people who have been even a little bit interested, it almost always lands. Like this is just a really, it's a really interesting book and the narration takes it to the next level, which is exactly what we're looking for. Um, The subtitle is intriguing. It's a tale of murder, insanity, and the making of the Oxford English Dictionary. And also Audible has this shelved under mysteries and thrillers with the subgenre true crime. So maybe you think you're not into a dictionary book, but true crime is hot these days. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I like the sound of that. So you've told us that your system for finding audiobooks that you browse and listen to samples and hope for the best. Have you ever found any duds? 
Yes. So I think this one is the, the number one dud I can think of in my mind, which is The Lake House by Kate Morton. And that grieves me to say it because last summer I read The Secret Keeper and loved it. I just thought it was so great. So I was really excited to read The Lake House, um, but I, ch- I chose to listen to it. And it's one of those where I I really think I probably would have enjoyed the book better if I'd read it myself because something about the narration just got in the way for, for me. And I know that this is kind of a personal thing too, you know, whether you jive with the narrator mm-hmm. or not. But she she really, she was a very competent reader, but I felt like I couldn't like the characters or I, and I'm not, I'm not sure that they were really supposed to be that likable, but I didn't even want to root for them. Something about the way that her she was narrating them just didn't do it for me. Also, I felt like the book dragged more than I wanted it to, and it seemed a little more predictable. And maybe my expectations were just too high after The Secret Keeper because I, I didn't really get the twist on The Secret Keeper very early, and I feel like I did a lot earlier on The Lake House. And mm-hmm. it's one of those books where you're you know you're hoping for a good twist. Mm-hmm. It was I, kind of a dud for me. I love the lake house on paper. It might be my favorite, more so than the secret keeper, which is my previous favorite. And I don't feel like enough time has gone by. Well, I guess I read the lake house a full year ago. But still, they're they're rivaling for me. So it's just worth pointing out to illustrate how hard how hard it is to find not only good books but good listens. That the rating on this is really really good. It's four point four average. Um, <laughs> so obviously, I'm in the minority. Well, that's important. You know, we don't need to find books for everybody to love today. We just need to find books you love. And that's really what counts. So the performance is 4.6. But if it doesn't do it for you, like we need to find you another book. Right. So I love your picks. And this is especially fun for me because you've chosen books along the lines of stuff that I love myself. So you said that you wanted recommendations from someone who's read the books. You're making it easy for me because I have a history of reading, but you can only read so many audiobooks, especially if you just started a couple of years ago, like I did. So I'm glad that I at least have a pretty good mental trove to dig from. But I'm really, I'm thinking of like 25 that I've read and loved, and I'm trying to narrow it down. Can you <laughs> give me, how would you describe the kind of book you like? And you could do this on 10 days and have it come out 10 different ways, but just off yes. the cuff, what kind of books do you like? What are you looking for? Characters, plot, suspense, intrigue, something that tugs at your heartstrings. What do you think? I like something. I like, I like well-developed characters. That's a huge plus for me. I want to feel like there's substance there to explore. And um, so that's, that's key. I would say for audiobooks in particular, plot might be a little more important to me than if I'm just reading a paper copy because I want to be, I want to really be sucked into the audiobook, not the kind of book that I want to, you know, read and put down. I want to, I want it to really hold my interest. So I think a plot, a, a good driving plot is more important to me in an audiobook. But I don't, I don't generally feel satisfied with a lot of like contemporary fiction and I don't want to sound like a classic snob or something, (laughs) but a lot of times I feel like the characters are too, too flat or too shallow or so I really do want something with depth. 
Does that help? <laughs> it does help. I'm just putting, I'm putting a lot of slashes through my list. <laughs> okay. That does help a lot. I do have ideas for you and we will sift through them after the break to send you away with free selections that are actually good for you, not the thousands of anonymous reviewers on the internet. Fantastic. Thank you. Welcome back. Melody, let's talk about your books. So you have thrown down. No, let's not throw things since this is a books podcast. <laughs> That's just rude. You've been very specific about what you're looking for. You are looking for a great story with a performance that transforms it into an entirely different reading experience. So not just reading as a substitute for the words on the page, but the reading out loud is an essential component of your listening experience. So we want something amazing. That's right. Right. Okay. Tall so order. That's not hard. <laughs> okay. Luckily, there are a lot of good audiobooks out there. So I'm going to start just by mentioning a few books that we have talked about on the show in the, how about, how about three? My top three books, audiobooks that are just fantastic audiobooks, but we've already talked about them on the podcast. So you can go back and listen to previous episodes somewhere. We can find them for you and hear all the details. But I just want to call out that in addition to being good books that were perfect for the people I recommended them for, hopefully we could check on those recap shows and see if they actually landed, but are also really amazing audio experiences. So what springs to mind is Ready Player One by Ernie Klein really a crowd pleasing book. Um, I know I have at least one guest submission in my folder from somebody who hates it and I'm intrigued and I want to hear why, but on the whole, <laughs> just a big crowd pleaser. It's narrated by Will Wheaton. There's a Will Wheaton reference in the book, which is just kind of a little bit of meta fun, eighties oh, um, trivia, video games, not my bag. And yet I loved it. So if you haven't listened to that, it's great. Okay. Or if you're listening and you're thinking, Oh, I want more than just three ready player. One is wonderful. A man called Uva wonderful, cranky old man story that I started on paper, couldn't get into, thought it seemed a little sad and depressing. But George Newbern, who I love as a narrator in general, narrates this. It is an entirely different experience. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. I laughed and cried at the same time while putting on my mascara on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so learn from my mistake at the end. It's terrific. Okay. Finally, anything Jocelyn Jackson. She was trained as an actress. She reads her own work. She writes Southern fiction read a little about the plot summary before you dive in because I just finished gods in Alabama, which I don't actually believe is narrated by her, but wow, there are some triggers there, but so good. And hearing her voice in your ear really sinks you into the story, like a certain time, a certain place. I don't feel like I would have connected to the characters nearly as well if I had been trying to do an Alabama accent in my head instead right. of listening to it in my ears. Oh, have you listened to any of those? I haven't. Oh, no. good. So three bonus picks that are actually bonus for you. I love that. Awesome. Okay. Now let's get back to books for you. We are looking for compelling stories, plot driven. And what I have in mind is a narrator who really, for whatever reason, brings something extra to the experience. I can't wait. Okay. The first one is by Philippa Gregory. Have you ever read anything by her? I haven't. She does historical fiction though, right? Yes, she does. This is her latest release. Now, Philippa Gregory has written a slew of best-selling historical fiction. She is the master and she really likes the Tudors. She likes old British history. 
I can see these being right up your alley, seeped in history, real characters that we think of as people who live on the pages of books and are old and dead and dusty and boring, but she really brings them vividly to life and enhances your interest in history. And this sounds like, you know, I'm talking to a literature professor, not an eighth grader. So I'm not (laughs) going to sweat the fact that I'm playing up the history element. If you're the nerdy sort who believes that bringing history to life is actually compelling and not like, is it time for math class yet? Um, (laughs) Three Sisters, Three Queens focuses on King Henry VIII's sisters, Mary and Margaret, along with Catherine and Aragon, who were simultaneously allies and rivals. They become the queens of England, Scotland, and France. And Bianca Amato narrates this. She, there's so much high drama here in the court, like real life, hundreds of years ago, actual, everything is on the line drama. And she just makes you feel it vividly like you're watching it unfold before you. The narration is, I mean, the accent is perfect. It just takes you right back. You can practically see them in their gowns. How does that sound to you? Sounds wonderful. I, I, you know, don't know anything about these more obscure historical characters. And I love fiction that really brings to life those kind of people in the shadows of history. So that sounds really good. Yes. And my experience with works like this or works in time periods that I'm not as familiar with is usually somebody talks me into giving it a try because it's not something that has been high in my list for forever. And I think I'm not sure I know enough about this period. And I'm not sure that I care to know that much. And then <laughs> and then by about minute four, I'm like, Ooh, what happens next? <laughs> Keep talking to me in that British voice. Oh, the accents really do help, don't they? Yes, so much. So much. And, you know, I used to think that I loved a book with a foreign accent because I, like you mentioned, your love for British narrators. I love that. And I've listened to some amazing audiobooks like, ooh, Americana by uh, Chimamanda Adichie uh, is another one that I put. It's an amazing audiobook, amazing story. Huge portions of it are set in Nigeria um, Mm. and Australian novels. And, you know, it just makes you feel like you're there in a way that I can't get to on my own without a little help. Or even the Southern fiction, like I I can't get to Alabama on my own without a little help. Well, and I found this so much just in my teaching because some of the the books I teach have a lot of dialect. One in particular is set in Scotland and and it's a, a lot of heavy Scottish dialect. And I found when I would take the time in class to read a chapter to my students with my fake Scottish accent, <laughs> which I did, I did study in Scotland. So it's, you know, kind of approximates the real thing. I, I will never use it for my actual Scottish friends. But anyway, <laughs> as soon as I would take the time to read a chapter out loud to them, they found reading the rest of the book so much easier for them because it helped to get the sound in their head that they couldn't do on their own. So I totally agree with, with what you're saying about how that those accents can really, hearing it can really benefit you when you're trying to, to read it on the page. Yeah, it makes it seem like you're reading about real people, which you are, but sometimes my brain needs a little help. I wish I was in your class. What's the book? It's called The Little Minister by J.M. Barry. Oh, I know J.M. Barry, but I don't know that one. Yeah, so before he wrote Peter Pan. He wrote several books that are set in kind of rural Scotland in a town based on his, the town that he grew up in and they are really fun. So that's a little plug for that one. 
Okay, so we are doing a change of pace. I'm going to say that for all these books. These books are pretty different. For your next book, I would love to see you try Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. What do you know about it? Just what I've heard on the podcast, because I know it's been talked about several times before, and every time it's been talked about, it sounds like something that I would be interested in. So I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm I'm definitely interested in it. Okay. So I heard about this when it first came out and I thought it sounded lofty and I thought it sounded like high, you know, great literature. And I wasn't sure if it was the kind of thing that was going to make me want to keep folding the laundry, but Mm -hmm. something persuaded me to give it a try. And I started listening and oh my goodness, this is amazing. So I love books read by the author when the author is actually a good reader. The author is not always a good reader as many listeners have found out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Jacqueline Woodson reads her own work here and she is a good reader. She's amazing. She tells an amazing story. So this is autobiographical. She was raised um, moving back and forth with her family between South Carolina and New York. I was really worried about the novel in verse because I just wasn't sure how that would sound. It sounds amazing. It doesn't it doesn't sound very I don't know if you would listen and say, oh, yes, this is obviously poetry. It just sounds like someone very well spoken, who has a great cadence to their speech. Mm -hmm. And she just sweeps you away. Melody, I want to do this book justice. So like my mental bar is really high. (laughs) That's a problem. Her writing is accessible, like it's very relatable. And yet it's so different from my own experience. And I'm guessing your own experience that it's just really, it's, it's both relatable and also a peek into a totally different world. And it's just so I'm reluctant to use the word beautiful because it's um it's cousins like important and meaningful kind of make me roll my eyes and be like, oh, buddy, <laughs> like this is not going to make me want to watch the dishes. But this is really good. What do you think? That's all I can say for it. Really good. All right. Well, I'm I trust your judgment and really good. Sounds good. I also love the idea of listening to a verse novel because you know like you said the cadence is so important and poetry is meant to be read aloud there's the English teacher coming out in me so I love the idea of listening to this one on audio so I'm glad I didn't pick it up before when I heard about it on the podcast because I think I I really like the idea of listening to it yeah I would really recommend that you that anybody who wants to read this book listen to this book because the odds of you reading it out loud to yourself that you would actually follow through on that I'm guessing are low and you wouldn't sound like Jack <laughs> most of you most of you wouldn't sound like Jacqueline Woodson and she's right. pretty great she's telling her own story so you feel like she's telling it in the way she wants it told to bring it the most reliably to life right that is fantastic Book three. Can I say it again? This is a change of pace. Sure. (laughs) This is not exactly plot driven, but the reason I'm calling it out is it is really good. And I just read this recently myself and I am so glad that I did it on audio and not paper. And I was just, you know, every once in a while you read a book that surprises you where you think, wow, I did not know that book was going to deliver this experience. I love finding books like that. Okay. So that makes me feel a little more comfortable going on a limb with You'll Grow Out of It by Jesse Klein. And the reason I picked this up myself recently was because three times in one week, I was told by very diverse readers to give this a try. One male friend of mine happened to mention it in passing. Annie Jones, a podcast guest, mentioned it. And then a friend also said, oh, have you heard of this book? I just started it and it's great. And I thought, hmm, the... uh, the book the book stars seem to be aligning 
for this book. So I picked it up and for reasons I'm not really sure about, I did it on Audible. Uh, Jessie Klein reads her own work here. This is a nonfiction collection of essays. She is a comedian. It's called You'll Grow Out of It because in the opening essay, she describes herself as both a tomboy and a late bloomer. And the title comes from her saying like, oh, when a little girl wants to wear like overalls and combat boots or whatever, she's told, oh, you know, that's fine. Wear it now. You'll grow out of it. But she says like, what if you don't? Like, what if you grow up and you're still a tomboy? Like, it's just me. Here I am. So from that, I thought I didn't really know anything about this book before I picked it up, except that three very different people recommended it to me in a week. So I just jumped right in knowing nothing. I thought the book was would be all about Tom, I want to find like the noun form of tomfoolery, tomboyery. So I don't know that this is actually pitched as a collection of essays, but that's totally how I took it. So Jessie Klein is a really fun, I mean, I knew she was a comedian from the very beginning. Um, she's a writer for, or an ex-writer for Saturday Night Live. She currently writes for whatever TV show Amy Schumer is on. I don't know very much about that, but I know that's on her resume. But what I loved about this essay collection is while it's very funny in places, this is not meant to be a fun, you don't pick this up because you want to laugh. She's writing about real women's real life experiences through the lens of her own experience. The moment I knew I was reading a book or listening to a book in a different league was she told this story early in the book about the Calgon woman from the Calgon commercial from when she was a kid. And I think Jessie Klein and I are about the same age. So I remember this commercial. But she talked about the woman in the bathtub who said, Calgon, take me away. And how she always wondered what it was about and what Calgon was. And she pulls in this twist at the very end that like made me stop the audio just to just to let it sink in. Like, whoa. Like, I can't believe she just turned it around like that with that one line. And I know that sounds a little like, oh, come on, Anne. Like, let's let's chill out about the novel or the, the story. But it was just so well done. And I really admired the fact that even though it wasn't, it was not remotely funny, but it was the kind of twist that I think comes from a brain that is used to well honing comic timing. So mm. she writes about a really surprising range of things. She writes, well, maybe not a surprising range. I mean, it's the kind of range of things we have in our own lives, just not always between two, two book covers. Um, mm -hmm. She writes about relationships. She writes about men. She writes about her parents. She writes about her friends. She writes about uh, shopping. She writes about infertility. And she writes about all these things with like this funny, I mean, she can pull out the funny one liner, but it's mostly a very serious, but I mean, she's just a very wise observer and she writes really well. And I was, I was genuinely surprised at the way she could um, look at important, serious issues from just an interesting angle and make me see it in a different way. Okay. A word of warning about Jesse Klein. There are, it's a little risque in places, but there is one particular essay. And if you look at the table of contents, assuming there's a table of contents, if you don't have the um, audio edition, but you have the actual book, there was one essay that I started and I did not even listen to because I just felt that that was a little, uh, a little much for my, I've been listening to the West Wing where everybody in the last episode has a very delicate constitution. It was a little much for my delicate <laughs> sensibilities. So a word of warning there, it's not family friendly, especially that one chapter. And I don't know how unfamily friendly it was because I didn't finish it. Melody, for you, I think that you would really appreciate the elevation of a book of essays into a really remarkable listening experience. How does that sound? 
That sounds really interesting. And I love that you gave me permission to skip a chapter if I have a delicate constitution, because I think I'm probably uh, in the same boat with you there. So that that gives me confidence that I can enjoy this book, even if I skip the the one one chapter. So yeah, and two things there, like in the same way that grownups don't have to finish books, they're not enjoying. Thank you, John Irving for that line. Yeah, you can skip chapters you're not enjoying, especially because point two, it's not going to interfere with your I mean, I was told from a friend I was warned in advance. So I'm just passing this warning on down the line. I was told in advance that I could skip that chapter and I wasn't going to miss anything important as the story went on. But I could just right. skip it and it would be fine. And so I did. That is, that's great. I love knowing that ahead of time. But as a whole, it does sound really interesting. And I do enjoy, I enjoy essays that, like you said, help us look at kind of everyday topics from a different angle. So it sounds intriguing. I'm so glad. Okay, Melody, what do you think you'll read next? I'm sorry. What do you think you'll listen to next? Well, I have two credits waiting in my audible that I've been saving. And then in like two weeks, I get a third one. So I think I'm probably going to go ahead and start with, I think I'm going to start with Brown Girl Dreaming. I think because I've, I've been interested in it from hearing about it on the podcast previously and your recommendation that listening to it is the best way to approach it. I think that's the one I'm going to start with. Well, it's also a short one for what it's worth. So you could listen to Brown Girl Dreaming approximately 25 times, maybe 26, <laughs> in the amount of time you could listen to the Herman Woke duo once. All right. Well, I probably won't listen to it 26 <laughs> times in a row. I'll probably move on to the Philippa Gregory next after that, but that's good to know. Okay. A quick note, since you mentioned Audible credits, if you're not acquainted with the Audible Daily Deals or the Kindle... Amazon, Audible, WhisperSync deals, those might change your relationship with Audible. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know the WhisperSync deals, but I guess I've never really paid attention to the daily deals. Every day at audible.com slash daily deal, there's a new day, there's a new audiobook on sale for between 95 cents and four ninety nine every wow. day. I don't remember what today's is. I just remember I was not interested. But yesterday's was Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. I do the daily Kindle deals for Modern Mrs. Darcy. If you're interested, you can sign up at bit.ly slash MMD deals. And if it's a really good deal that I think appeals to my Modern Mrs. Darcy readers, I will always include it there. But it's a great way to pick up audiobooks for cheap. If you're not familiar with the service or you've already used your trial or something like that, it's a great way to try Audible for cheap because you don't have to be a member to pick it up. Okay. I, I've looked at your Kindle deals a lot in the past and then I stopped because I realized that I was buying Kindle books because they were on sale, but I absolutely hate reading on, uh, on, I don't have a Kindle. I have an iPad. I absolutely mm -hmm. hate reading on iPad. Mm -hmm. I, I want paper. So I'm like, I've got to stop buying these Kindle books <laughs> yeah, because I, I'm, I never am going to read them. But for the whisper sync, it's worth it because you can get the audiobooks so much cheaper. So right. I should keep my eye out on your Kindle deals again for the, with the audiobook angle. The irony is that you can buy the Kindle book and the audiobook sometimes for cheaper than the audiobook itself. Right. Or the Kindle, if you could, because if you get a Kindle book on sale and then you add the whisper sync, you still, you can still do that, even if you got the Kindle book for free or. Right. 
at a reduced price. Okay, we will put a link to that post about how that works in show notes, but that can be a useful way to uh, stretch those Audible credits a little mm -hmm. further. All right. Because that's important. Unless you're reading yeah. Herman Woke, in which case, you know, it can last you months. <laughs> two, two credits can last right, you right, a right. year. Right, right, <laughs> right. But you're, um, you know, even if you paid a lot of money for that, I'm thinking your like rate per hour was really low. Probably. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that helps. And I can't wait to hear what you think of your books. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please head to the podcast site to let me know what you thought of my recommendations and to share your recommendations for what Melody should read or listen to next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 54, and it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. And don't forget to tag the show on Instagram at whatshouldireadnext so we can see what you are reading. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.